Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back uh, to our How to Be series where we take a look at uh, ways in which Scripture teaches us how to live best in this world. I have uh, something to tell you. The other day I was struck while walking innocently down the street by a cookie. Now, uh, that may not sound all that strange or intimidating to you, but to me it was uh, the perfect example of chaos. In fact, I believe in some ways I have seen the face of chaos. I don't even know if this man was actually a real human being or even just like a figment of my imagination, some sort of like living embodiment of the very idea of chaos. But here I am, I'm walking down the street, I'm actually talking on the phone uh, to this like potential church planner guy, and I'm just sort of walking around. Uh, I don't think there's anything notable about anything that I'm wearing, definitely I'm not making strange gestures, and I see a gentleman at the end of the street, and uh, he's kind of walking towards me, and he kind of has like a strange look on his face, I can't even really describe it, you know, and it's Colfax, uh, people are always kind of, you know, different, I'm sure I look weird when I'm walking down Colfax, and I think in some ways we all do, so this guy is walking directly towards me. He steps into sort of like a little side, you know, little alcove, and lets me pass. Which I thought was a little bit strange, but you know, it's COVID, so maybe we're all trying to, you know, uh, give each other a little bit more of a wide berth. And I walk past him, and I feel something hit me in the backpack. And I turn around, and I look on the ground, and there is a half-eaten cookie. And this gentleman looks at me as his hand lowers back down from obviously having thrown the cookie, looks at me like, turns around and walks away, never to be seen or heard from again. Now, uh, there's two things that that kind of act embodies. First is Colfax, that there's sort of this sort of like benign, but still a little bit spooky kind of chaos going on all the time in Colfax. If you ever walk down Colfax, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, uh, that was a weird experience, but it was by no means like a evil or bad experience. It was just kind of strange, right? Like, the cookie did not injure me, and I just brushed the crumbs right off my book bag. The other thing that it embodies, though, is the year 2020, right? Like, this is a year that is built on weird stuff happening to all of us, you know? And not just weird, but bad stuff happening to all of us. Just all over the place, it just seems like 2020 refuses to quit. And it's even become like an internet meme, you know? Like I remember, and you know, there's so much happening, we've probably forgotten about this. Remember when those like killer hornets came over? And everybody's just like, all right, we've got the pandemic, we've got police brutality, and now killer hornets are coming. And every time something sort of even remotely bad pops up, the internet explodes with thinking like, of course, this is 2020. It has been a year defined by chaos in a lot of ways. Things that we didn't expect to happen, things that we didn't even maybe know that could happen, are now happening to us. And it feels like we are in just a world of uncertainty, of mayhem, of crazy things happening all the time, and of chaos. So today what we're going to talk about is how to live a life, how to be chaos proof. How to be a person, and I believe scripture teaches us how to do this, who is not destroyed by chaos, who is not rattled by chaos, who is not having their world torn apart by chaos. 
We actually see it in this psalm today. Uh, and it's important to know, and I want to just stop right here and say to you, uh, that the Bible is not without chaos. In fact, chaos is pretty present, uh, pretty prevalent in the Bible throughout Scripture. And even uh, the authors of the Bible lived with even more chaos than you and I do today. You know, like they didn't have the weather channel. They didn't have as like a fully developed understanding of the movement of the earth, of the way that things happen and stuff like that as you and I do. And so chaos seemed even more present to them. And the reason why I have to make note of the fact that chaos existed in the Bible is because a lot of times when people are thinking about Christianity and their own Christianity, they come to two very wrong conclusions about chaos. The first is they come to the conclusion that for a Christian, for a believer, that there is no chaos, right? They sort of like, you know, write off everything as being like, you know, good and benign and having a purpose or as like, you know, God protecting them because they're a Christian. They're not going to have to deal with any type of chaos. And if you read any of the stories throughout scripture of biblical characters of people who are chasing hard after God, uh, they definitely experienced chaos often. And it happened to them all over the place. Paul even, and I, I sort of like love this random detail because it so flies in the face of so much of our prosperity gospel that we believe in America. Paul is out there trying to be like the first missionary of the church. He's out there sharing the gospel and planting churches. And in these travels, it's not bad enough that this guy's getting persecuted for what he believes. He gets like stoned and thrown out of town all the time, all this stuff. On top of that, he's on the open seas that are controlled by the God of the universe, and still he gets shipwrecked. I mean, how wild is that? And so many Christians now believe, like, well, I'm a Christian, so that means nothing bad will ever happen to me. No chaos will ever touch me. That could not be further from the truth. It's short-sighted at best, and uh, outright dismissive of not only Scripture, but just the difficulty of fellow Christians around us and around the world. Uh, Secondly, uh, the sort of other wrong view of chaos is that chaos is outside of God's control. And if you think about this, that really kind of can't be the answer either, right? Uh, A lot of times we try and sort of draw these really concrete lines on like what God did and what God didn't do, you know, and, and it gets all kind of muddy in our minds because he is like sort of the omnipotent being who's in control and who has created the universe. And so to some degree, everything is ascribed to him. And and it just, yeah, like I said, it gets really, really muddy. But what it ends up doing is it leads some people to be like, well, this is what God does. And then chaos just kind of happens over here. And it's completely separate and completely outside of his control. This can't be true either. If God really is the one who's in control of the entire universe, then everything is in, under his control. There's nothing that is outside of his control. We actually uh, see this in the psalm today. It opens this way. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters fo- roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then there's that word you might have noticed there. Uh, this is just a little fun fact. doesn't really bear too much meaning. That word selah was sort of a musical term. It was sort of like connoting like the end of a, a stanza or something like that. Uh, originally, the psalms were actually sung, and so that selah was some sort of piece of instruction. We don't even fully uh, accurately, I think, understand exactly what it was. But anyway, that's just a little fun fact. What you see in this text, though, 
is that there is still chaos, right? You've got the earth giving way, you've got the mountains being moved into the sea, you've got the waters roaring and foam, the mountains trembling at its swelling. All of this is happening right after it says like God is our refuge. The psalmist here is recognizing that chaos does still exist. There are still things that we can't explain, that we can't control, that we can't even completely understand. And biblically, if you take it in the scope of the entire biblical story, you see that that actually comes as a result of the fall of humanity. That in the Garden of Eden, God has everything ordered, He has everything structured, and He is walking in community, perfect harmony with His creation, with humanity. And because of humanity's sin, they are cast out of the Garden and thrown into a world where things are chaotic, where things are difficult, where things are beyond our control, where things are beyond our understanding. But what's interesting, and this is really a theme throughout this entire psalm, is that basically what Scripture says, and especially this psalm, is that chaos still exists, but you are not alone. Let's check it out. It says in verse 4, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. I really love this. It makes me think a lot about like uh, just sort of our geopolitical climate, even like, uh, you know, the politics happening here in the United States of America. Verse 6 says, The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So, uh, right there you see uh, the psalmist opens, God is a refuge, and then he tells about all the chaos that is happening. Then he makes a transition in this sort of middle stanza to point out that, like, while chaos is happening, God is still sort of in the works. He's still in the mix. And then he goes on in the final stanza to say, not only, you know, God's place sort of on his throne and control of everything, but also how we ought to respond. Check it out, see if you can see it here. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, as I said, there are sort of two things that are captured in this part of the psalm. First, God reminds us who He is. He says in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. And really, uh, our tense doesn't really capture it there. We say, I am, but really it's basically, I am, have been, and will continue to be God. And then he even goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. We are to recognize that God is who He is, regardless of whatever chaos we see around us. He is the King of Kings. He's the President of Presidents. He's the Primest of Ministers. I liked that one the most, okay? It took a lot of work to get that one out of there. But it's interesting that right here the psalmist is reminding us that in the midst of chaos, what we need to recognize is who God is in the midst of all of it. 
And right now, man, that is so vitally important to your spiritual health, even health, even to your mental and emotional health. Recognize that even though there is just chaos, like mad, running throughout this year, that so much of our plans and our ideas and our hopes and dreams have been put on hold or even canceled, even though that is happening, God is still in control. Let that sink in. God is still in control. That's something that is oftentimes difficult to even like get into your mind uh, because of all the things that we see around us, all the chaos that we feel like we're experiencing. So what do we do in response to knowing exactly who God is, to knowing that He is ultimately in control and in authority over the universe? How then should we sort of like best find a way to understand that, to make that practically true in our lives? The psalmist says we are to be still. Be still. This word could mean something like relax or chill out. I don't know if it could mean chillax. I'm not really sure if that's an appropriate translation to any Hebrew word, but I'm going to use it. Now, it's interesting. Uh, the roots of the word actually would uh, are pretty similar to uh, the Hebrew word for like when a bird would stop flapping, right? So a bird is sort of flying around, fluttering its wings, and then uh, to be still is to sort of fold those wings in and sort of, uh, you know, relax to actually light onto a branch or something like that. They stop all of their straining. They stop all of their flapping and striving. And I actually looked this up, you know, I mean, it started as one of these weird Wikipedia black holes, and then I found something that's really interesting that I think uh, could help us today. Because uh, right here, the psalmist is saying, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all of these things that you can't control, you need to know who God is. And in order to do that, you need to make yourself to be still. And made me look into like how birds actually fly, this act of like stopping to flap and putting your wings down. And there's basically three different types of flying, and I think they correspond pretty accurately to the way in which we very often respond to chaos, just naturally. First, uh, there are birds that glide, they sort of spread their wings, they sort of float on the air. And what's really interesting about this is that a lot of them are like soaring on different atmospheric conditions in that the world is moving around them, right? They have the wind that's going up and down, different heat rising and stuff like that. And they have to sort of like wait and allow that to sort of control how and when they fly. There are even birds that have to wait for like thermal jets to come up before they can even leave their nest. And how many of us respond to chaos this way, right? Like our entire, you know, well-being, our stability, our, our like, uh, health and how we view the world around us is totally dependent on the atmospheric conditions around us. Meaning that, like, when, you know, things are going well, when maybe we're making money, when maybe we feel like we're in control, when maybe it feels like the country's heading in the right place, or it feels like your family or relationships are heading in the right place, then you are doing well. But when those things are not the case, you are in chaos. Many of us are gliders in that way. Other birds are, uh, they, they bound. Bounding is sort of a, a means of flying. 
chickens actually do this right. They're not actually flying, they're just sort of fluttering a lot, trying to get from one place to another. And man, can I just tell you that feels like my life so much, right? Like, I am just fluttering as hard as I can to step from one little chaos to the next, right? And it's like, I've got to get myself out of this situation so I'll flutter over here. Can I get myself out of this situation so I'll flutter over here? And so much of our lives is spent in fluttering from place to place and trying to just sort of keep our head above water and struggling so much just to be able to survive, it feels like. The psalmist is saying that we need to be still. The final sort of uh, way in which birds fly is flapping. And you can think of this like a, a hummingbird, actually. They're just constantly, constantly uh, spinning their wings, flapping their wings at this like insane rate. And it's funny, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a hummingbird very often, but they, they very rarely ever stop. You know, like they're just flapping, 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 and they're just going so fast, and they're even like drinking while they're flapping. In fact, they have to ingest so many calories because they're a tiny little bird, and they're constantly burning them by constantly flapping all the time. They have to be like uh, almost constantly feeding themselves. How many of us are we that way? Where it's like the world is fine, we can still sort of like survive the chaos as long as we just keep moving. As long as we can just keep on flapping our wings, then we don't even have to notice that chaos is rising around us. All of these, I hope you're perceiving, are daunting. They're restless. They're, they're sort of deluding us to think that we are actually in control. There's sort of ways in which we, we trick ourselves into thinking that we are all that we need, that we can take care of ourselves, that we are, you know, masters of the universe ourselves. And that is not true. See, there's only one person who is going to be exalted, only one person who is on his throne, only one person who can uh, make the nations tremble in fear, only one person who can even pick up the mountains and cast them into the sea, and that is God. And the only way, and, and, and you know, if you haven't experienced this yet, I'm just going to invite you to try. The only way that we can really, really wrap our minds around that and grasp that fact and even find joy and peace and hope and trusting in God and who He is and who He has promised to be, even in the midst of the worst possible chaos. The only way we can experience that is by being still. By stopping for a moment from all of our flapping, all of our bounding and gliding, all the ways in which we're trying to control our own universe, and sitting in silence and solitude before the God of the universe and recognizing who he is. Maybe you're facing chaos right now, and maybe you've tried a bunch of different things to get around it. Maybe you've you know, gotten into some self-help things. Maybe you've distracted yourself. Maybe you've just flapped your wings in all different kinds of ways. I would encourage you to take some time. Be still before God. Recognize who He is. And the next time that you face chaos... It's very, very easy for us to slip right back in our own patterns. Maybe you're not experiencing chaos right now, but you know the second that that thing hits the fan, that something happens, that something falls apart. In that moment, we tend to just default back to whatever our habit was the last time it happened. But I'm encouraging you right now to, to break that habit. 
I even had to do this this week, right? I uh, was, you know, like hit with some bad news. And I like immediately was thinking like, I just need to check out. I'm going to, you know, put in an audio book and, you know, just sort of veg out and enjoy it for the next hour or so. And I had to force myself, no, 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 don't default to just some sort of uh, way to placate this. Don't just like try and avoid it and hope that it goes away. And instead, spend some time in silence. Just listening to God, stillness before Him, bringing my thoughts, my cares, concerns to Him. It didn't eliminate my chaos immediately. It doesn't make it go away. But can I just tell you that... Uh, the perspective shift of shifting from saying like, wow, there's chaos in my world. What am I going to do? Everything's falling apart. I've got to figure out a way to fix this to shifting to say that there is a God in control of the universe is some, something that is so satisfying to your soul that I can't even put words around it. I invite you next time that chaos enters your world or if it's there now to experience this with me, to be still and know that God is God. And know that He loves you. And that I love you too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, He gives us the gift of community through His church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org